welcome to Marsha's Plate. This is an interview episode where we talk to friends, family, other community members, and anybody else we want to talk to. <laughs> hey brother, hey brother, hey sister, hey sister, hey sibling, how are you? Hey brother, hey brother, hey sister, hey sister, hey sibling, how are you? How you been doing? Just checking in today. Hey, what's up, y'all? So I am so excited to have Dr. Courtney Ziegler, Courtney Ryan Ziegler. I love Ryan. That's one of my favorite boy names. <laughs> yes. Uh, Thanks for dropping that back in there. <laughs> so I've been wanting him on here for a very, very long time because. You know, he's somebody that I've been watching for years. I, I I was introduced to you really, really early on before we actually met in person. I think it was like 2005. Yeah, it was a, the, that was a long time ago. Um, mm-hmm. Through your the dope ass blog called Black Academics. Mm-hmm. And it was a black feminist academic blog just kind of where you just kind of dumping your shit like hey talking your academic shit about black feminism about your life about your opinion of shit and i think i i think i may have been searching and and i just came across it and so sometimes back in them days sometimes you'll come across stuff and you'll read and be like oh this is dope but you don't know who's behind the computer but you 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 resonate with what's being written so that was in like 2005. Um, yeah. And that was a crazy time in my life because I was moving from Indianapolis to Mississippi to Texas and, you know, coming co- literally when I was right before I came to Houston to live. Um, I'm traveling, escorting, <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, just kind of hustling and doing my thing. So, but I was on the internet all the time. So I'm running into all of these, you know, people's thoughts and, you know, searching stuff, and I have ran into into the blog, and so fast forward to um, 2008. I am on. I'm on YouTube now. YouTube is something that <laughs> yeah, that YouTube is something everybody is introduced to YouTube around the same time, and not everybody, but. Um, between when it launched in 2006 and 2008, any, any these is like the early OGs of YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had met this trans guy. Like I was, when I came into the YouTube game, I had already been trans for a very, very long time. But in 2008, a lot of people was getting on there and they were just starting their transition. Mm-hmm. They were just getting into hormones. And so a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that they were talking about was about the medical side or the physical side of transitioning. Like, you know, I've been on T for three months. I've been on estrogen for two months. I've been, I got this surgery. I got this. It was all really just about the physical. And because I had changed so drastically already because i had started in 94 by the time i get to youtube i already have my physical transition where it's going to (laughs) be in a sense and so what i had to offer 
YouTube at the time was just my kind of experience, my lived experience, how how I navigated my transness with other people, like uh, my parents, my my siblings, and blah 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 blah. So that's kind of what I had to offer, and people started to resonate with it. So I met this trans guy on there, and he introduced me to this bishop, Bishop Rawls, and lesbian couple Rawls and um, her wife. First Lady Gwendolyn. And there was the Trans Summit. I think it was called the Trans Summit that they were doing in LA. And he introduced me to you and said that you would be there because your film, Still Black, was going to be playing at this location. So you did the film in 2008. But this is probably like 2010. And I, when I meet him, he tells me, he was like, do you know Courtney? And I was like, no. And he sent me a link to your YouTube and you on there. And he was like, okay, you doing, you, you, this is early in your traces. I think this is when you first got top surgery. <laughs> it's so funny because my partner here in South Africa has a child. Um, and like, he's, you know, kids ain't supposed to be on YouTube now. It's so funny. And I was like, when I was around when YouTube was, just now youtube in 2005 like on it on it um and i was talking to my partner and i was like man there's some videos out there somewhere in the world of me like <laughs> at 25 years old be like i got top surgery <laughs> I'm, 42 now. I'm like i'm like they're on there somewhere some youtube account that i don't remember if i have access to that's right. the one <laughs> that one right there yeah yes <laughs> and so i was like you had just got top surgery or it, I think I was mm -hmm. introduced to you when you right before you did it and you were talking about some trans stuff and then you got I subscribed and then you had got top surgery. Mm -hmm. And so I met you in person for the first time in L.A. when you're when the film was being presented there at the trans summit. It's the first time on film that I have seen a depiction. Really, I want to say any Let, let's 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 say. Um, Let's say that out loud. I haven't seen, and that came out in 2008, I haven't seen a film this so intimately exploring Black trans masculinity in the way that your film did. And I felt like that film not only was before its time, it set a standard for what is to come um, yeah. later in the next decade. Mm -hmm. And so thought it was dope you came in you was this little guy i think you had i don't know if it was your girlfriend that was with you was it your girlfriend um if it was the girl the puerto rican with lots of yes. hair part of yes yes That's yes and so y'all was vibing and talking and you just was cool i could tell you was kind of shy I can tell you this is like new for you. I felt like you in my mom, you know how you make your own narratives up about people. And my narrative was you was this brilliant creative who was now who was maybe an introvert or maybe um, you know, not used to this kind of showmanship that you need to have for this type of stuff. <laughs> and you came into the room and I could tell like, oh, he's a he's a deer in headlights. <laughs> and um and so I saw you, I was like, oh, cool. And so I thought the film was dope, never seen anything like it. And so instantly, because I was a creative and you were doing things that I'd even think about doing, I thought about doing, but just how did you fucking, like at the time I'm a hoe trying to come out of hoeing. 
<laughs> so what, what I what I could dream of haven't I had dreamed, but how to do it, I had never thought. Because there's tons of films that I wanted to do. And but I just didn't know how it could be done. And here this young person, and I thought that you was much younger than me, but we the same age. And so, yeah. yeah. And I was like, I was like, this guy is doing this amazing shit and so young. I wish that I had, you know, I, you know, I, I wish I'd have had all this whole tumultuous life shit happening at the time because <laughs> I would have been, honey, doing something. And so it was just so inspiring. So fast forward to 2013. I see you at BTAC. I think you were, I think you were getting an award. From yeah, BTAC at the time? First conference. Yeah. And so at that time, you were introducing a program called TransHack. And TransHack is a organization that's kind of like a um, like a hub where trans people can kind of collaborate in tech. Mm-hmm. Now, this is 2013. In 2023, we see programs like this all over but the first time that i see that is surrounding transness the identity of transness and technology the first time that i see this idea come from corby yeah and so once again (laughs) doing something that is before it's time something new something fresh that here a decade later, more people are hopping on and um, yeah, I, I just feel like that shows your brilliance and how be, before it was in vogue to do, you were creating pathways to innovate our community, innovate our community and use new and fresh tools to get us to a whole other level. So, while all of this was going on, you was also becoming one of the first people to get a doctorate in African American study from Northwestern, mm-hmm. right? First, yeah. Now, am I am I am I clear? You're not the first trans person. You're not the first, first man. You are the first person. Period. <laughs> yeah, people be like, like, oh, the first trans was like, no, 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 no. We didn't have to put I'm trans the, in there. First person. I got the three years later, the, the, my colleagues got the degree. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so the I love that. Cool. <laughs> it was hard though, but <laughs> I know because I was watching you go through it. And you was coming on. Well, really yeah, bad. I can't wait to talk. There was a there was a moment in my life where I was so full of like I think immaturity and be like wanting to. Um, always like, be like, man, Courtney, pat on the back. Good job for doing that, for, you know, like being a pioneer in a lot of ways. Uh, I'm so beyond that in my life. <laughs> I'm so grateful that I like grew up in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um, and understanding that to be a pioneer, it means like, you know, everybody's not going to be like, what your job is to do is to um, literally like open doors and then, you know, like maintain and live a happy, healthy life, which is what I'm doing now. Um, and knowing that the work that I did is it's inevitable. It's, it's had a domino effect. I, I appreciate you bringing up Transact because 
now and the whole transaction to the whole technology industry like there's bathrooms policies and things in tech and like you know there's millions and millions of dollars that go to people to building you know there's trans companies now <laughs> trans yeah. like, all about trans software and i was like oh i did that like 10 years ago 10 years ago i was like yeah you know 10 years ago um, right. I'm, I'm grateful that i can inspire people and 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 create so much important change but Man, that, that, that uh, it's the Northwestern time was hard, and I think the Transact time was hard because I was just like not. I love myself a lot more, <laughs> much stronger. I, I remember the time when you were um, graduating from Northwest, and I remember you know just like everybody going through a PhD that's black, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> it, you know how there's some bullshit in the process, and. Um, you know, and you and you were sharing your frustrations about it. It was um, you are one of the examples in my life as far as I have multiple that let me know that, you know, PhD is full of some racist bullshit that's in the system of it, of getting one. And um, it, it was made very clear by all the PhD people in my life that, yeah, if you're going to go this route, academically that far <laughs> you're gonna have to have that kind of willpower and that kind of um you know determination and steadfast mm -hmm. personality because everybody who um who i know who got a phd that's black went through that that kind of process where they wanted to cuss every motherfucking body out yeah, and, and it was right at the end <laughs> <laughs> it is it propelled me to graduate though were you considering going down that route i am not now i was <laughs> i was in 2013 no 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 2015 i was considering going back to school and and go yeah no i, I just don't have the mentality for it no more yeah, and no. so <laughs> and so now at this time you know this trans renaissance was happening mm -hmm. and there were people coming up spotlights getting shown awards getting thrown around um and then you were winning some <laughs> on on list trans 100 just uh, you know you just was doing you know, do, just be doing amazing things. And then all around the world, we were impacted by um, Trayvon Martin's um, murder and the birth of the Black Lives Matter movement started to happen. And everybody was on their shit about creating something and doing something to impact what was going on in the world. And in 2017, you co-founded Abolition. Yes, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> That too. Forget about that. Yeah, that was awesome. That that's something that you know when when I heard about it, I was like, Courtney, you better motherfucking go, and <laughs> it just was dope. So, what can you explain what abolition is? Abolition. Yeah, but basically, I, at the time, I was uh, building virtual conference software before the world went into COVID. So I spent five years of my life building a space, a way to have conferences online, and this was before COVID. So. It was a hard sell me and my business partner we raised like a half a million dollars from a couple like tech venture funds so we were like doing it like you know black founders were like okay nobody really understood what it meant to have a conference online they're like what 
we don't that why would i why would i not have it online so we were hitting a wall with that <laughs> um and once, with, once the, running, with the aerial space with aerial space exactly yes. aerial space and this is again pre-covid pre i knew we were gonna have conferences online i knew it i saw it <laughs> yes um, we, we were running out of money because building in the technology industry as a black founder i'm not gonna say it's hard because i never do like things are hard things are hard um i still make a way to make it work but um it was a little bit more difficult when you like are building software and you're running out of money to maintain the software so i was like on twitter and i was uh, this this is when the the whole uh conversations about bill were starting to happen and even myself was i was very ignorant about like all of the, the very wait 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 wait, wait. Uh -huh. i don't want to roll over that because i i don't i want to make sure that instills in people's brains as they are listening so what we are talking about is Courtney was running a company called Aerospace, Aerospace, mm -hmm. and what he was essentially was creating was a space where people can have conferences online. Mm -hmm. And he is telling us right now that motherfuckers wasn't getting on it because who is going to have a conference all the way online? They would not believe in us. One comp one investor believed in us who was from Bloomberg. Um, Bloomberg gave us $300,000. Um, mm -hmm. And another uh, organization gave us 200K. So we have half a million dollars. And like, that's a lot of money still. So yes. days, um, but we were like, there was only two people that believed in us. And we were literally like, the software was all built. So all the software you see now that I hold the virtual conference, we did that like eight years ago. Once <laughs> again. So we were like, yeah, so it was like, you know, okay, we're doing this company. Um, but it was, I was on Twitter so much. I'm not on Twitter now, but I was on Twitter so much. And I was learning about all the bill conversations and stuff. And uh, I was like, man, it'd be cool if I could help these people um, bail out black moms. They're bailing out black moms. My mother's yeah. in car. So I was like, yeah. oh, I felt, you know, tension in my heart. And I was like, how can I build software to help these people? Um, and I was like, man, that's, the, the the spare change roundups are popular the model's been proven for investment people use it in savings um set it forget it people, simple is always the best mm -hmm. so i was like man if this thing existed uh possibly could help raise money so they don't have to keep going door to door or like send out google forms or all these things and i just sent a tweet and it got so much traction as like yeah i would possibly join that if it was a thing but I was like, bet, let me go do this. <laughs> so I like took time from the actual funded venture backed company. There were nobody was buying it. You're not gonna have software conferences online. That's bullshit. <laughs> like, right. That's what happened. Um, and then uh, thought of the name Appalachian and built it. So my uh, business partner and I, uh, and then our engineer, there are three of us that were building aerial spaces that we put uh, half of our time to doing Appalachian, which was a platform where, um, <clears throat> People would just like link whatever debit card that they did daily purchases on. Um, and we would collect their spare change. We'd round it up to the dollar and we'd collect their spare change. And that was it. And we'd funnel that spare change to uh, people that were legally allowed to pay bail for people across different states in America. Right. And, and we started off in November 2017. I sent the tweet. Um, no, I said it in June 2017, and by November 2017, it was up and running. Mm -hmm. And within those first three months, we won multiple awards. Um, raised like we were raising, bringing in forty thousand dollars a month in spare change alone, and I was just mm -hmm. giving it to 
bail funds and stuff. I didn't get, I didn't take any of the money. I didn't pay myself for anything. It was just for to help others. Um, within a year, we had raised almost a million dollars in spare change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was like really, really awesome. Um, Jay Z reached out and was like, "This is a funny story because it, it was." Abolition really showed the tech industry that, wait, you can focus uh, technology on people who are incarcerated, but it's not like ankle bracelets and like, you know, the, the technology that like are prime making things more privatized. Right. Um, major companies can make money on black people who are in car. Anybody who's incarcerated um, wasn't the case. Um, and so it was a little bit like Transact where it shifted the industry where people were like, well, wait a minute, Appalachian is making, because we're very transparent about how much money we're making, how much money right. we're bringing in, making. Um, and Jay-Z reached out. So one day, just got an email. I was like, we want to talk. Let's talk. And like, oh, I'm going to get some money, man, because I'm paying for this all by myself. I'm also using, taking away from my actual company that I'm building to do this. Um right had two meetings and never heard from them again and then there was another uh app that like launched within this this first full year of because we got so much it was like it was a whirlwind of like notoriety and media awards and three months and money and stuff um this other organization launched and jay-z actually rock nation not jay-z Right. I still say jay-z and beyonce gave them like a 20 million dollar investment or something wow um, and I was like, dude, bro, you spoke to us. You spoke to me. Like, I took time out of my life. You reached out to me. And that really sucked. But it was also one of the first, um, even though I've been building the tech space for a while, like one of the first, I think, really slapping the faces about like, you can build awesome things, but when you try to actually make them sustainable um, by getting outside investment, you really have, people want to make money. Right. <laughs> They're not concerned with like the, the, the return of like, oh, but we're doing good. We're making right. it so who aren't Khalif Browders, right? And like, <laughs> it's not the main goal. Like, we're right. doing it. And there's so much money in the world. Like, you know, even if we kept like a percent of it for revenue, it'd still be more than enough. Um, so that sucks. But Appalachian did really, really well in 2020. Once we were in the house, March 2020, um, because people were spending less because they weren't going most of a lot of our money was coming in where people were traveling or shopping in retail stores off the computer um once that stopped our main source of money coming in was from amazon purchases and at the time in the world amazon the whole world right was fighting um the the whole uh, global police brutality marches and i was like i can't run this software um and everybody's buying shopping on Amazon now. And then like Amazon is supporting ICE. There were ICE conversations. I was like, right. I, can't. I was like, it, it, it doesn't make sense. I was like, I know in the grand scheme of things, like there was still some, like we're still taking from comp- people. Um, people are still shopping towards these companies and we're taking like the 25 cents, the 50 cents, whatever. But when it was all from Amazon purchases, it started to be too direct. Like, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, you know, and we had actually took out a little bit of an investment. We got like a 30,000 angel investment right before and i was like i'm gonna give you guys this money back because i can't like my morally it doesn't make sense for me to be the face of something where me i know the behind the scenes that all this is is this ice money yeah. <laughs> so i was like are we are we incarcerating people so it was weird right. so I, I, it, it, I put put it to rest um it went out on a high note um 
but yeah, it got like thousands and thousands and thousands of Americans out of jail. Um, and thousands and thousands of people were excited about something that was so easy. Mm. Um, yeah, it was quite an incredible, incredible, incredible platform. So I'm really grateful to have been part of that to to help help you know get people up free. So yeah, because we know um, you know that disproportionately affects us. That that shitty ass um, cash bail system fucks us over. And so once again, you have you know done something innovative and i i I just have always just that part of you that part of your trajectory has always been inspirational and admirable you're listening to houston's own mp trans 101 now listen i know that what is basic trans 101 for me could just be the beginning for you so this is for your basic ass For me in this life Could be just the beginning for you talk about this Aretha Franklin natural woman song debacle because I think that this is 101 but let's entertain first and foremost you cannot believe everything that you see on the internet especially if it blankets a whole community let's start there we went through four years of Trump Did we learn nothing of alternative facts? Did we learn nothing about sensational headlines? Did we learn nothing about how Russia infiltrated our election in 2016? Through a propaganda machine on social media, riling each side up. We have been dealing with these tactics for a very, very long time. So if you see something that is weird, Maybe you should stop and pause and not share it and actually delve deeper into the source to see if this is actually legitimate. Because what we have learned in this scenario is that this was fake news. This was a satire account. And I know some people are saying that it is the white trans women that does stuff like this. You know, y'all conservative white trans women be on some bullshit. This may not be y'all this time, but y'all know how y'all Caitlyn Jenners do. And if you feel some kind of way about people blaming, you know, white trans women, honey, gather your white trans sisters in a wicker circle or something at Starbucks and get them together. All of this bullshit was started from a tweet. When their tweet started to go viral, they pinned a new message saying, I am stunned that not a single media outlet who reported on the Aretha Franklin tweet even attempted to contact this account for comment. Based on the sheer ridiculousness of the content of this page, how could journalists not comprehend that this is parody and satire? 
So the idea that the trans community is against the Aretha Franklin song, you make me feel like a natural woman is fake news. Bullshit. But people's response to this have been very, very telling. Not that we didn't know the transphobia exists, but it's quite interesting how people respond to these things. I expect it from the right wing. I expect it from the TERFs. But what was quite interesting is the response from people who are on our side, the LGBT people, the gay folks, the women that's supposed to be on our team, trans inclusive. One of the reasons why headlines and fake news like this works is because it quickly pulls out the transphobia inside of you. How easily you believe that we would do something as silly to rally to remove a song from the 50s <laughs> from an icon like Aretha Franklin is telling to me. It tells me that you don't have any trans friends <laughs> and you want to believe ridiculousness. Trans people have enjoyed this song just like cisgender people. Just like every minority who doesn't see themselves in popular media, sometimes we gotta vicariously live through seeing ourselves in other people's songs and stories. This was one of them. Have you even listened to the lyrics? This song is a pick me trans woman's dream song. Listen to the words. I'm no longer doubtful what I'm living for. And if I make you happy, I don't need to do more. Cause you make me feel like a natural woman. Baby, that is a pick me talking to y'all. <laughs> Why this song resonates with so many people is because it is about a woman who has found a love that lets her resonate in her feminine energy. That makes her feel like a natural woman. Because the world around her is making her feel unnatural or misaligned or not feminine enough. We have that happening right now. Especially if you're a black woman, how many times have we heard the passport bros and the red pill bros and the incels talk about how black women are not feminine enough? Your body is too big, it's too dark, it's too masculine, your hair too nappy, your features are too big and ethnic, it looks like a man. This is all narratives that black women hear, that we battle against, that even our celebrity, our upper elite, educated, quote-unquote, high-class folks have to contend with this narrative. And the more marginalized you are, the more harm that these narratives do to you. It lends itself to people beating you because you don't fit the beauty standard. It leads people to put you in harm's way with diseases and not care about your body. And when I talk about not caring about your body, I'm not just talking about the medical field that can use narratives to harm your body, but also your romantic partner that you're letting 
sleep with you at three o'clock in the morning because you got low self-esteem and he wants to take the condom off and come in you and put you at risk to his diseases because he don't really care about your body. I don't need to treat you with dignity and respect because you're fat, you're ugly. You are not womanly. You're not dainty and delicate like real women. If you got in the gym and got smaller, I could treat you like a woman. If you got a nose job and your, your features are a little bit more delicate and feminine, I could treat you like a woman. Oh, if you was just a little bit more light, I could take you around my homeboys and treat you like a real woman instead of coming over and fucking you late at night. Just if you had all of these womanly things, I could treat you like a woman. But because you don't, I'm going to treat you like a human blow-up doll. And that's just from the men who illegitimize your womanhood. Let's talk about the women. How many times have we heard, oh, you don't want to be a mother? What kind of woman are you that don't want to have children? That is, that is the, the purpose of us. If you dressed and act more womanly and get into your feminine energy, a man would want to marry you. What kind of woman doesn't want to be married? That's what God has us here for. Oh, you can't medically have children. Oh, you must be devastated. Girl, you running around here looking like a man with that natural hair. That don't work for everybody. Everybody ain't got the face for it. Men like you to be feminine. And what's going on with your weight? You done got so big. All of these narratives are aligned with your feelings of womanhood. How do you sit in womanhood and sit in it comfortably? Many of us do not cisgender or transgender. If you don't fit a particular image of womanhood, you don't sit in it comfortably. Your womanhood is always being in question. Your vagina is not enough. Motherhood is not enough. Your period is not enough. So this song resonates with so many people because so many of us, cisgender or trans, are navigating this world feeling less womanly, feeling undervalued because our bodies can or can't do something for them because our bodies don't fit the master narrative. This is where cisgendered and transgender women can meet. This is the common ground. This is where we can find sisterhood and build a coalition together to fight the real enemy, which is all these systems that say we are not enough. And this has been Trans 101. God, I want to thank all of our new patrons this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yay, 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 yay. So, not only are you helping to sustain this particular podcast, you know, I also donate to other podcasts, I donate to other organizations. I have my finger on the post of the community and I know a lot of grassroots organizations that are doing great work out here so you're not only helping to sustain us you're helping to sustain other people in a community because I put my money where my mouth is you know that's just the kind of bitch I am community is fuck 
<laughs> so thank you. I really, really appreciate you. And if you have not become a patron, why have you not? You can donate as low as a dollar a month. It doesn't matter. Anything helps. Please. Do I have to play Sarah McLaughlin and show you puppies? Like, what do I have to do? Do I have to do resort to what the white people do to get you to give them money? <laughs> All righty. Anyway, thank y'all. And the Patreon and PayPal link is at the bottom. Back to the show. So I want to go back to how it started with you. Like how how life started. Not life started, like your birth. But, you know, yeah. tell me a little bit about your growing up. Tell me a little bit about family life growing up. And, you know, you know how do you become this socially conscious person i know you were born in compton tell me about that tell me tell me about your upbringing and your family and who who loved on you who reared you how did you get to be this person i see my grandmother uh like man i would not be the person i would be if it wasn't for my grandmother i was mm. born in compton born and raised actually like the last generation of people actually born and raised in the city of compton um so we had one hospital and it, it I think when I was like maybe eight years old, it like went out of business because it was terrible. <laughs> like people would die in like the emergency room and shit. So um yeah. I can one of the last say I can literally born and raised in the city of Compton. Um, yeah, when Compton was the Compton yeah, we know. Like, yeah, Compton in the eighties, like yeah. that was my life. Um yeah. but yeah, my mother deals with mental illness. So I'm uh and my father I've never met. So I don't have that parental kind of experience of growing up in that way, but I was raised by my grandmother who took care of my sister and I, and that was really beautiful and amazing because my grandmother is one of the most amazing human beings I've ever met. I look forward to our reuniting <laughs> when I transition. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not afraid of transitioning at all. Um, so I know we're going to be reunited at that point, but um, nobody in my family is like a real I mean, my family, I come from military people and then my grandmother's sons and daughters, sons were like police officers and things like that. And like, um, but I would say I'm like probably the only person in the family that really was like, man, how can I use the resources that I have access to to help others? Um, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I guess it's like, there was also like with Transact, I didn't want to be broke. I finished my PhD and I was broke and I had nothing. It was literally like the hardest point of my life. Mm -hmm. um, and the school I got the PhD from didn't want to give me a job. And it was just like, I was like, well, how do I not, you know, lose my apartment? Cause my car got repossessed and everything. So I was like, well, how can I, it was like living in Oakland at the time. Um, and I had opened up a vintage shop with my partner. And so that was like, kind of put me in entrepreneurship to spaces like that. And I was like, well, maybe if I can build something to help people, in the growing world of tech, maybe I can build something to help me find a job. <laughs> so <laughs> my upbringing, I just didn't want to be poor because <laughs> I grew up poor. And like, um, I've never been like, yeah, I've only until now that I have some money, but like my entire life I've not had that. And so um, it scared me to not be able to take care of myself. So that really pushed me. Um, but I would also say just like everything that I've kind of created even if it wasn't like a company or something, um, just kind of my art has always just been about like aware of myself, um, who I am, my unique experience, um, growing up as a little girl in the 80s, Compton, um, 
also like going to school forever and ever and ever until 29 and like all this so like all those things like um i feel like i know what my purpose is in life and i figured it out a long time ago and it's like to use my uh, everything that i have to help others um but that had come to like maybe 25 that i figured mm. that out so is that the same age that you started to transition uh i i, so I went to college at 17 and i started to like socially transition uh -huh. um, great story because i went to college i went to uc santa cruz um and so i started to go by ryan so they just call me ryan <laughs> so like a class of people were calling me ryan and i got a job i did work study and I got a job in the LGBT center and shout out to work study. <laughs> yeah, shout out to work study for real. I don't even know if they still have that. I don't know how the college works these days. No, the work study, like yeah. And I was I would have to clean the LGBT center like after events and stuff. And I saw for the first time ever in my life the FTM book. I don't know mm. if you've seen it. But it's like the, the original FTM. There's like this white uh, man on the cover, a profile. He has like a, <laughs> Like haircut, like uh -huh. dinner halfway open. This is FTN, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> Change it. <laughs> like I was like, "Yes, Brian makes sense." Um, and then, so I went all through college, like uh, before. And this is like it's interesting. I don't know how it is for you, um, but it's interesting how like things have moved so fast now with naming and terminology and laws and you know things they're just like even myself i'm like i don't even know what's happening in a lot of ways now but at the time it was it was a different time it was the 90s late 90s um i was just learning who i was what the ftm was a thing and people would probably be mad to say ftm now but when i was at that age that's what it was <laughs> that was the that was the terminology yeah, that was the term. that's what I saw, FTM. Right. so um i gotta like be honor my history too yeah. And that book changed my life. And so medical transition, yes, I started at 25. Gotcha. Um, but like before that, I was like, can you be like, I'll just go by Ryan and I, I've never changed who I am. Um, uh, never dressed any other way or presented myself in any other way. But yeah. Um, yeah, I remember that. that I, yeah, I was able to do it at that time because I had a uh, health insurance that would help and to take cover to to help help that but in california it wasn't not to my knowledge at that time um or perhaps it was and i was just not i didn't know that i could have <laughs> like yeah man, yeah so man, the tool okay so so in that process was it did you have in that kind of like prior to the medical trans transition between let's say 15 17 and like 23 in that mm -hmm. kind of process where you just kind of figuring it out and you know you ran into the book uh what were some of the how did how did your how did yourself start to reveal itself how did your truth started to reveal itself to you and how were you navigating that space and I, I call it confusion maybe people not may not um there's a for me for my personal transition there was a time when I don't have any other word other than confusion, but there was a time where I'm figuring it out and I don't have all the language. I don't have all the, I can't articulate every single feeling that I'm feeling. I can't, I don't have what I have now as an expert yes, of my yes. own transition and I can talk and I can borrow language from other people and da, 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 da. I didn't have that. And I didn't have anybody around me 
at all. I'm in fucking Indiana <laughs> in '94. <laughs> and so and so I didn't have anybody around me that even remotely remotely understood anything about what I was going on. And so um how did you how did that come for you? Like how how was it navigating that kind of the 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 smoke hadn't cleared space? Yeah. I think I think you bring up I think uh, even though I'm not from Indiana, my there's probably a lot of similarities um, with our upbringing because I didn't, there's not even like, I can't even think of it to this day. You know, everybody has like the, the gay cousin or something. I think my mom was gay. Um, there have been moments where I remember going to a friend's house who, and stuff like that, but like, uh, like I don't, growing up, like I, there was maybe a professor of mine was gay in high school or something, but like I'm trying to, and I'm using gay because I feel like that would be like as, at my young age, um, the closest to really understanding like any type of understanding I do something people. different yeah exactly um i've always known who i am in my life um and that is a different debate about you know kids and being trans and all this stuff but i remember i was in an after school program called visual performing arts in the hood under 10 years old and there was a we, we did we sang the do re mi song and then we were done and the teacher was like okay all the fellas with stripes on kick it and i got up i was i had a striped shirt on and the air she's like fellas and i was like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> funny how we all have and this similar yeah. type of moment and it's crazy because like i didn't even know like that fellas meant that like um like i knew it meant the little boys but it didn't really register in my brain that i wasn't one like it's, it's i don't even know how to you you understand like yeah i love what you said like the confusion or whatever like it's not even a word to put on it but like i knew and i didn't know at the same time um and so it was moments like that where like well, i knew what you told me i knew what yeah. you told me but i also know what i feel and exactly. yes i know mommy said i from the time i could remember i'm a little boy exactly. but i also know my feeling in my mind exactly. of how and what i what i feel and so exactly. yeah <laughs> exactly what happened and i carry that memory with me to, to you know one of my most important memories of my life where like people like in the in the class the other kids laugh but it wasn't even like they were laughing at me it was just like well i i know i'm a i am a fella so they were like those moments that would happen throughout my life and like i've never changed who i am and then being from compton which is in los angeles like i grew up in a very i grew up in a very lucky environment to like go to school where there's like different kids with piercings and all these different things so there's a little bit more room to to present myself differently yeah um and uh yeah like my entire like when i was like a young teenager i guess i would like would have identified as uh, being a lesbian or being gay at that time mm -hmm. because that's the language that i had so i saw that that's what it was. was like 17. so like it changed my world uh so exactly that's what it was and so um it wasn't like i've never felt like it was uh, hard or difficult it would have been i mean anything would be nice in in retrospect um but I never really had like a strong community of of gender variants or sexual sexuality variants um, people to grow up with. Mm -hmm. It didn't happen until like I was a young adult in college. Went to college and then then oh, oh, everything changed. It did. 
Now, I, I can't say that I didn't. I did have one friend, my friend Ty. We met when we were 11, when I was in a group home, because one of our similarities that my mother had was battling an addiction, too. And the, my my grandmother wasn't as good as yours. My grandmother was shitty and not, not accepted. But she helped a little bit. She ended up putting me out when I was 13 on the street. But, but um but because of that, I went into the system and I mm -hmm. met my best friend who literally lives up the street from me right now oh, wow. <laughs> at the same age. So we've been, it, because she was in the system and I was in the system, I became her, oh, we similar to age, we're a year apart, but I became her sister basically. And she, wherever I go, she goes. And so, you know, cause I'm a part of her system, her support system. Mm -hmm. And so we've been That's knowing each other since 12. And so we transitioned together. We, um, you know, I always had one. She's always been one. Now, now I have way more and I yeah. met people after that, but she definitely has been that one. Cause when, as soon as we met that part of us said, Oh, yeah. you feel what <laughs> you feel what I feel. Now, how we do this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good for you. That's awesome. So like she's moved to like different cities that you lived in and now you go off your side. That's awesome. That's what's yeah. Like. Anywhere. If yeah. I go somewhere, if, if I move somewhere, I know they just coming yeah. right behind me. Um, so, so we talk about your career. Tell me about mm -hmm. love. Tell me about, you know, about your partner now, but mm -hmm. how has love in your transition how has your transition impacted your love life and and how you have navigated your romantic experiences? Mm -hmm. I think it's been, I, I don't know. I, I mean, that's a good question. I think that's something I'm actually consistently, consistently uh, debating and, and taking apart every day. Because y'all niggas don't have to. Y'all always boot up. <laughs> I'm never not in a relationship. So that's, this, exactly. this, this, this is what I'm in now. This is the one. That's it. I, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I laugh because I, I was I was talking about homegirl. I was like, yeah, because one thing that is to me a unique experience of trans masculinity, and I and I don't want to make any stereotypes because every you know I I know trans men that have um. Um, issues romantically too but what i have seen consistently that is different from the trans women's experience i have seen so many trans men be in relationships and their partner or types of partner that they are exposed to transition with them so smoothly mm -hmm. where with us if we transition you know while we're with a partner usually that shifts how our partner sees us in yeah. a certain way. Mm -hmm. And so like, if we in this kind of boy on boy relationship, once we shift a girl, this boy is like, eh, um, I don't know if this is still my thing. And I, I heard, I know trans men that go through that as well, but I just see cis women consistently stay with their trans partner mm -hmm. or understand it a little bit more. There seems to be like a nuance of, um, Oh, I can deal with this as opposed to the guys is it mm -hmm. turns into this whole secret thing. Sister guys yep. turns into this whole secret thing and we got to keep it on low or we got to do this or it just becomes weird. 
And so that's why I asked that because I, I, I wanted to see if there was any kind of nuance that you had examined in your own life romantically, because I just, I just saw it, saw it as a difference. You know, that's a, that's a uh, great because I was going to ask you, what, what do you think is the difference is because, and you just kind of hit the development. I think now that I've lived in my life, the majority of my life, uh, and my adult life, all of my adult life as a man, especially like uh -huh. um, as a grown man, like I, no one at this point misgenders me unless they know who I am. But right. them the secret that, like some people still intentionally go out of their way to like, right. well, it's just like, where, where, if I didn't give you that, <laughs> you would have never known. It's a gift, right? right? Um, uh, men are weird, <laughs> but you know, it's not that they're weird. It's like it's 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 there's a lot of society makes men Damn, and I, yeah it, cause i feel like i'm you know on the other side now and i see how like in different spaces where that's yeah the pressures the the stereotypes and things like that i did the the woman who made still black with me i will the um she had a hard time she's like i'm just like i'm i didn't sign up to date a guy <laughs> we ended up the, our relationship ended so like uh she stuck around for a little bit like tried it but like it, like we moved to california and she was like i'm from puerto rico this is cold and like everything was just sucks but the real reason was that like um she wanted she was supportive but it's, this is not what she i mean she's like it was a queer woman um and yeah. most of the women I've been with are queer so there's that and I, maybe that's also a difference too where i'm not sure if like a lot of trans women who date men are who men identify with queer like, yeah <laughs> so there's, there's that, like it's already kind of a little bit like ooh. <laughs> yeah it's, that i've been with has also loved men cis men so it's never been anything with but except for the yeah a will that was like i was signed up to be with somebody i know you were like so i went to college it's like before there was like gender who the words like non-binary and stuff now i was like oh gender curious and you met you met me as ryan and like um i bind and all these things so yeah but you haven't you're not you don't have a beard you don't have a deep boy <laughs> so like that those are like that's pushing it for me and i was like i'm going to move forward with medical transition and she was like i that's not what i wanted to it's not what I, it's not what I thought you would actually end up doing. Mm -hmm. What do you think this is? Right. Um, right. so that was like kind of the only moment in my life that I've, someone was like, uh, but with, yeah, dating queer women, um, it's much easier. I've never actually been in a relationship with someone who was like, I've only dated cis men and then dated me. That's never happened in my life. <laughs> mm, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, maybe I'm lucky in that regard because I'm not really, I don't even want a lot of the extra stress about it. That, you know, it seems like on the other side, there's that extra stress. He was like, damn, yeah. though, like a different kind of maneuvering. Um, there's not as, I don't, I guess I, I say it, there's not as much fluidity in yeah, in the uh, in in the cis space in the cis male space to be able mm -hmm. to have that kind of um i think there's a fluidity that happens in the cis women space yep. that that makes them a little bit more open and a little bit more um understanding just a little bit more because they can be yeah, just a little bit just a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit because they can be they can be on some foolery too. People people, people, yeah. <laughs> so but recently yeah recently you moved out of the country 
you moved to South Africa, Johannesburg, South Africa. Mm-hmm. And can you tell me what led to that decision? Because I'm kind of jealous because I've been <laughs> yearning to move out of the country. And so mm-hmm. what led to that decision? How has it been? What's been hard? What's not been hard? You know, what led to it? Yeah. Uh- because I'm a serial monogamous person, <laughs> that's what happened. I actually ended a relationship. I got dumped. It was I was it was toxic. I was toxic. I was not a very honest person in the relationship, um, and it ended. And but I love to travel, um, trying to go to as many places as possible. And one of my friends had recently moved to South Africa and was like, "You got to come visit." And I was like, I, "No, she had been here actually for two years already. She had a wife." you gotta come visit and it was my 39th birthday and i was was the week of my 39th birthday and i was like been sad and crying for like three weeks like really hard breakup where i was like dying it's like (laughs) every day i wake up i was like i'm going to die um and then she's like no i think it was oakland's rent No, it was like in California. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, fuck it. Okay, I'm gonna end. And this is right before COVID. So I went and had the time of my life. And it was the first time I've ever been to Africa. Um came and I met my current partner. She's in the other room. (laughs) And like um we we met December twenty third and twenty nineteen, and we were together. Like I was here for a month, month of the week. Um, we were together every day for like three weeks. Wow! And I heard, like, let's go on an adventure. Let's go to Cape Town. Let's, and she's like a she's born and raised here, so she's um, I call her like the mayor of the city. Go <laughs> anywhere, and she knows everybody. So it was like very um, safe for me. It was awesome, and it was the first time I was like, I can actually like. I don't have anything in Oakland, California, where I was living. I lived in my apartment for 10 years. I was like ending my 30s. Sad. I was like, who wants to transition to their 40s in the same place they were in their 30s? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to be that guy. So I was like, and I've always wanted to live outside the country. And I was planning for it, but I was, it's like, oh, maybe I'll live in Thailand for a bit because I like Thailand. Um, I don't know if you know, what was it? Imara, Imara Jones, you know her? Uh-huh, Imara yes. Jones. <laughs> we had lunch. Uh-huh. And it's like, no, Courtney, why would you do that? Go to Johannesburg. And I was like, well, this is before my, my my friend actually convinced me to go. And I was like, like, go to Johannesburg. And if you consider like moving out of the country, move there. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go. And I went and I was like, what? This is awesome. Um, it's been great. <laughs> the high pitch of my voice. Um it's nice having my partner and like building roots here and like that. And now I've lived here a year straight, but I've been traveling for, back and forth for three years. Um, I'm in my own apartment here. Um, it's it's different. <laughs> I don't want to say that. Tell like, me. That's uh, what I want to yeah, know. What's the yeah. difference? What's <laughs> what? In the, what, is, uh, in the I, you know, I I, uh, I I recently went to Egypt. And yeah. I learned by while being there, I was like, oh my God, I talk shit about America, but there is a I'm blessing. <laughs> Let me tell you, I, 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 am, I, am, I probably have an American flag in the next room at this point because <laughs> that's what happens. And I'm not even kidding. I used to talk to so I was like, oh my God, American. And then you don't live in America and you're like, wait a minute, I actually um, enjoy having electricity 24 hours a day. 
I live in a place where I live in uh, Santon, um, Johannesburg, which is like supposedly the richest square mile in Africa. And South Africa has like the best infrastructure on the continent, right? Um, but they're going to they're going through a crisis right now, um, where they are experiencing half the days without electricity now, and it's not oh, like that. Texas, yeah. Oh, oh, I have it, but like I have, I, I feel it. I feel like the class difference in the way that I didn't feel in America, uh, where here I feel kind of like an asshole because I'm a foreigner. Um, I'm not going to sit in the dark and I can afford to not sit in the dark. But then I look out my window and I'm just like, man, it's dark over there. And like, I was like, but I'm in my nice, you know, apartments in Santin mm-hmm. with electricity that never goes off. So that's a different feeling. I feel a little bit not guilt, but something I struggle with that I, I shouldn't feel bad about being able to have electricity all day. Um, but I think about it and, you know, it's uh, languages. Uh, of course, they speak English here, um, but there's 11 official languages and there's tons of dialects and my partner speaks nine. And so like when people are talking and having conversations of like fluctuate between different languages um, and that's different than the United States, because even though there's tons of languages in the US, um, I think living there, sometimes you can still pick up certain things or infer what's being said because of context. And you can do that here, but um, people start speaking to me in Zulu sometimes (laughs) and I'm like, damn. I only speak English. <laughs> Sorry, guys. And it's no problem. No one makes you feel bad. But that's a difference. Um, things move a lot slower here. Um, like, if you try to go, like in my apartment, I have to go buy prepaid electricity. Sometimes you had to go in the store and buy it, and they'll be like, the system's offline. What does that mean, the system is offline? We don't know when it's coming back. We don't know. <laughs> so that's a little bit. But South Africans are really fun. And it's a fun country. It's a beautiful country. It reminds me of the West Coast of the United States. Um, but yeah, I think there's also like a lot of things that are different that just like I don't really notice until I'm in that situation. Be like, wow, this is weird. We <laughs> do this in America. <laughs> um, people like uh, my accent. Um, there's not really that, like, and because it's South Africa, like this, they actually like embrace a lot of American culture here. Um, a lot of like the younger people try to speak in American accents, which is funny to me. Um, <laughs> man, you gotta check out some of the, some of the, one of their most famous rappers here is a rapper who only raps in an American accent wow. and it blows my <laughs> because well, like in America, this could be a little bit offensive to black Americans because, you know, for us, like you know, I'm a gatekeeper of Black Americanness. Like, uh-huh. like, oh, you are not Black American. No, that's our language, is our culture, is our things. I'm very heavily into that. Yeah. Um, so here, you gotta look him up. There's this rapper called Nasty C. Um, mm-hmm. Super duper famous here. Um, he also does some work in America. And like, if you heard him rap, you would think he's from the East Coast. Mm. He would never South African at all. Like, and you know, and that's mind blowing to me because. Like wow, the when you when you do see like their hip hop artists, they're rapping in this emulated New York accent, <laughs> and that's really funny to me. I'm like, why do you guys do that? Like, it's okay, your South African accent. <laughs> 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 so that's oh, interesting. Um, food, food is good. Food, food is, is good. amazing. Food is really good. Um, everything here is flavorful. Africa. Uh, I'm sure it was in, in Egypt. Um, and then the style, you know, because everything's stolen from here. Like people are just 
these are beautiful, most beautiful women ever I've seen in my life. Um, I, a lot of my ignorance, ignorances are, have been challenged and my biases, you know, are challenged every day. And I consider myself a smart, open-minded American. Um, but there are also things I'm like, man, I didn't even think about that. Didn't even think <laughs> like, about that. Um, Give me one example. Like, um, the, some of their most popular celebrities are gay men here. You know, and not that I thought that the only way to hold because they have gay marriage here, right? But like, it's very well embraced. It's not like, like, you know, one of the most popular people on TV is a gay man who's very flamboyant and beautiful and changes his hair and like all these things. And like um, some of their other famous uh, social media stars are young gay men who are very effeminate and like, it's okay. And I actually got into it online the other day with some Africans in Kenya because an LGBT activist was killed, stuffed in the box. So if you heard about that, and I was like, yeah. online, and this fucking sucks. Um, and then someone's like, if we Africans can, it, you know, we don't accept without being gay like the West. And I was like, well, actually, I'm living in South Africa, and you guys have gay marriage, and you know, you guys have gay legislators. I mean, and gay celebrities, and like gay businessmen and gay businesswomen here, and like, um, not so many of the trans people who are that famous here, but like that was really um challenged what i originally thought um, mm. of things and it wasn't like oh do they have water and cars in africa it was more like um, i'm coming from america and i have a different kind of perspective even on world travel but um yeah i never thought i would live in africa <laughs> gotcha <laughs> i never thought that i'd be like you know what i'm going to move to a country in africa it never crossed my mind it never crossed my mind and i'm so glad that i did i would i'm so glad i did even though it's harder my apartment is much cheaper um but like it's things are slower and safety have you ever been felt worried about your safety never no but, but they talk about safety a lot here it's a they south africans i think now that the economy is not so great happening here in south africa i can see the concerns of safety different but i also i'm like i'm from compton i grew up then someone one day told me yeah but compton is not in africa and i was like you're right <laughs> I can't really be like I'm from the hood. It's like my hood is not your hood. My right? hood is not your hood. <laughs> not your hood. Like you, you walk around with your phone. Like you go to a restaurant. And like you know, there are really nice places here. Um, you're in a flight. You know, luxury restaurant. And people will still be like, put your phone away. Like they do snatch and grab here. And I was like, it's not something that I consider in the United States at all. I brought my partner to the U.S. We were in San Francisco like a few weeks ago, and we were at a place, and she had her iPhone on the table. And she, and she went to the bathroom and came back. She's like, this would have never stayed on the table in South Africa. And I was like, really? <laughs> Wouldn't it? Or, whoa. <laughs> wow. No. Or, yeah. So those things. Um, but, like, you do hear about, like, hijackings and carjackings. And I've bribed the police here. <laughs> I've, bribed, I've bribed things here. Like, you give a little bit of money. Um, but I guess that's anywhere in the world. Um, to get things a little bit faster. Um, but yeah, there's, there's heavy things. bartering, heavy barter, heavy haggling. That was, I, that's what I noticed in, um, in Egypt too, where it was like, yeah, Oh, you got money. Fast. The world opens up to you. It's yep. real. Yeah. That capitalist, 
that capitalist <laughs> slickness is really there. <laughs> really here, yeah? There are things you can do with money that you can't do in the U.S. I'd probably get arrested. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, like, give me, give me a 200 or something, you know. Um, and the last thing I would say is, like, being here for the past three years, I've been witness to the dollar getting stronger against their currency. So that sucks because, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's moving to a place where I'm, I, my, I still work in the United States technically, right? So I'm bringing American dollars um, here um, and I'm able to like help my loved ones here now and in ways that I, in better ways, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, like this is not a good, the, the economy is really struggling in South Africa. Um, it's nice to be part of, of like the cultural wave, like I'm a piano and everything's coming, music in South Africa is great. Yeah. Great. Afrobeats. Like, so I, I, I love, I love Afrobeats. Yeah, it's it, everything is like you can see all the amazing artists here and see that, but um the economy is 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 they're having a hard time right now. And that's that's interesting to watch because I'm not a citizen, so I don't have rights and I'm not really safe. <laughs> like I have to I still have to leave um to get my to get a new visa. So I have to renew my visa all the time. Um, mm. That started to make me like, mm. right? What's <laughs> gonna happen? But we'll see how twenty twenty three goes. So let's talk about what you are doing now. Let's talk about well money. Yes. Tell me about how this started, and tell me what's the future. Yeah. Um, so thanks for letting me talk about Abolition, because Abolition was definitely a stepping stone. Um, it, Abolition was the first time that I built a financial technology product where people trusted their money to me that I would do use their money in the right way. Right. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm fundraising using somebody else's platform. I actually built a software and to so trust me with the software and then trust me with the money. So I have that trust. Um, so when COVID happened, um, a lot of people in my family started hitting me up for money um because i was a little bit more stable at that point in my life and um it really got me thinking like man there's so much money in the world and now the world is defaulting people are moving money around in different ways we saw like on twitter and like all types of social media people being like who needs money you need groceries there was no problem right during covid everybody was moving money around to people who needed it without no questions asked so that's where the idea came from. I was like, well, if that moment proved that we can give money to anybody without like them needing to tell a sob story or like give that much, you know, all these performances or, you know, like putting their business Child, on the these street. barriers. <laughs> and I got to. Yeah, oh, like that doesn't make oh, sense. Please. I'm such a woe is me trans person and I was I'm molested and I'm a disabled. black trans <laughs> <laughs> I'm a disabled black trans. If I hear that everybody is a disabled black trans, everybody, just to we get a point, just to get a gift card. <laughs> Not saying that exactly. they don't exist, but y'all, exactly. that was a narrative that everybody was given. Exactly. And then there, there was a moment in time I was like the yeah like after the trans hack uh because i also a sunset trans hack um to move on to bigger and better things that was also what i feel like the moment of people like really heavy identity-based fundraising um no problem i'm not making any passing any judgments on anybody i'm just saying that's what it was 
Um, but COVID showed that like even the US government gave out checks to people, gave people to gave people money without here, take some money. We have to pay taxes on it now. <laughs> like here's some money still, right? So the idea with well money is that um uh, it's a it's a membership-based community where everybody pays between one to three dollars per month um to access a platform of resources that make your life cheaper as well as the ability to um access money when you need it for emergencies from a group of of community members who have it so um i'm a well money member so let's say i've been i've been on paying my three dollars a month <laughs> you know for the past two months um and my laptop breaks and i need like 200 bucks um maybe like 100 bucks to get something and i can submit a request confidential request to the community completely anonymous um the only people who know who's asking for money is me and my other team because we built the software um and as long as you're a current member and you've you know you've contributed to somebody you put money in the pot to help somebody else um we'll give that money to you within 24 hours no questions asked. And then after you get the money, um, we ask people to share a note with the community. Um, and we've we've seen that people are more willing to share, like, thank you for help without having to be, this is what I need money for. <laughs> so it's like kind of a reverse thing. Um, and people would tell me, like, when I was building, they're like, people are going to take the money and run. That's not true. If you trust people, and you treat them, meet them with respect and um, give them money without like making them feel bad. Well, our research has shown that people actually like get the money and then they, they, they double their contributions the next month. They continue giving mm. to somebody else because they were helped with without uh, saying anything that they need help for. Like, I just need some groceries. Okay, we don't care. We don't care if you like need groceries. I just need some money for some other, whatever other may be medicine, um, could be weed medicine. I don't know what you need in your life that is a financial emergency, but all I'm doing is connecting you, making it easier for you to meet somebody that has a lot of money and wants to give it to you. Um, so that's what we do at Well Money. And we launched, man, uh, I've been research, build, building the company for two, year, two years now. Um, and we went pro, uh, open to the public last October, so October mm -hmm. 2020. And so now it's January 2023. We're over 1,000 people growing every day. Um, I'm looking for investment money that may be quite difficult considering we're in a global economic recession. <laughs> and yeah. like, um, everybody's getting laid off in tech, man. I don't know how many people you know in your life is getting laid off, but everybody's getting laid off. So we'll see. I, I have faith that um, we'll continue helping people. But yeah, we've helped like kind of 40 people now. Um, Again, the, the disbursements are like like 150, 100 bucks for like small dollar emergencies. So, yeah, I think that is so dope. I love how, you know, people are out here really thinking about innovative ways that kind of reduces the barriers. And mm -hmm. um, because I remember coming up when I was younger, even you know, the, my history with sex work, there was times when I literally why I got into sex workers because I needed my rent wasn't even fucking high. My rent was like three hundred and fifteen dollars. That's how old back in the day. Yeah. And so the rent was three hundred fifty dollars in a in a duplex. And I literally had got fired from my job and I didn't know where I was going to get the money. And and if I had something like this to say, hey, can I get 
this small amount of money to help me with my rent so I could to hold me over till I may can find a job. I don't know if I would have found a job because I didn't have any other options. So I got into the escort business and the rest is history. And so and so but having tech and having that avenue to be able to get help would have changed my life drastically. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. I, yeah. I do think like the the whole goal is to solve the problem that like uh, 90 million, probably like a hundred million Americans at this point, like mm -hmm. if they need 400 bucks, they don't have it. Like it's just not possible. Okay. That's like a third, but there's two thirds of Americans that have that money. <laughs> so like yeah. if one don't have it, two thirds have it. And, and months, it always it's always showing that like there are always people who have money they will always give it to somebody who doesn't have it my job was to make it like a new easier way for those people to do that like, that was it so right. it's not even like shifting that much it's like again it's never about um it's about seeing things seeing the bigger picture and making it very simple um but also being a little bit ahead of the game because again everything's anonymous so you don't know nobody knows anybody on the platform mm -hmm. all you are when you log in, you're a well money member. You see how much money we've collected. You see how much money we've dispersed, how much where it's gone to um, rent, groceries, utility bill, medicine, whatever. Um, and that that's it's completely anonymous. So mm. that's what's different with what we're doing. Um, it's not a GoFundMe, something like that. So yeah, it's working. And I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited to continue growing it because I conceived of it and I got a little pushback. I got a $1 million investment to build it. And the people who gave me the money were like, we, give you the, we don't think it's going to work. And I was like, I think it's going to work. No, people have tried something similar before. And I was like, yeah, but um, they were probably not uh, a black person or a person of color who understands, I think, and who, someone who came from poverty and who understands how money moves in different ways. And if you build a community, <laughs> that's right. what focus community is so, so that's what I'm doing now, building. Um, and of course, the challenges, the current economic times where right. so many need 200 bucks now. So, well, I have faith in you and you continue to inspire me to um, be innovative and, and, you know, try to do something different, do things in a way, in a way that is, um, pushing the culture forward and I appreciate you. Um, I love you. I am watching you from afar and I am so proud of you. And I have every faith that you are going to continue to set a standard that, uh, that half of us can't even get to, but, <laughs> <laughs> but continue to set a standard that not only is rooted in community care, but, um, very thoughtful and powerful and i appreciate you for that i see you brother thank you for saying that i appreciate you Definitely. thank you for having me i was like you know a little bit like man one day i want to want to be interviewed be watched from far of course i'm always excited for everybody's wins always percent. <laughs> i was like i thank you because um even though i've matured past the like man it'll be nice if people like want to hear my story um I still understand the value in my story and I'm really very grateful for people to take the time out and give me room to to be alive still and be like, thank you. Man. I, I see you. I hear you. Thank you for doing that. And I, like, give me some space to talk. So I really appreciate that. I want to let you know. And I remember when you were talking about YouTube, I was like, wait, how did, how did YouTube. I first saw you on YouTube. Of course. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> so tell the people where they can find you and how they can get involved in um well money yes um well money uh w-e-l-l hyphen money.com um go there you can easily sign up um join in the movements again we're a new company so we got the future is definitely definitely bright but we've helped so many people already and brought in so much money already like i'm super excited to keep growing um and i don't have social media like that anymore i miss a, i miss fake rapper i, I know like, i got banned from twitter so, <laughs> even though elon's back like I, mean, like, I got banned like three years ago so i've not looked back <laughs> I've, I've kind of missed it too but um i'm not on twitter um but linkedin you can find me dr courtney ziggler and yeah that's pretty much the main place to find me okay i will put it again i said i'm old now too i just like do my work and <laughs> go have some champagne and relax and oh the life the life <laughs> yeah i like i like this decade i'm like facts yeah, take care of myself and like facts i told i told my brother i said I, I said he's um he's like just shy of um 10 years he's like nine years younger than me um mm -hmm. and he I was like, I don't know what's gonna happen in your life, but my forties is bomb. So <laughs> look, look. So exactly. my thirties was my thirties was getting it wasn't bad as my twenties, but mm -hmm. my thirties was like a transition into the forties. And so thirties yep. was like some parts was good, some parts was bad, blah 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 blah. But my forties <laughs> have been like Mwah, chef kiss. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And I was like, oh, how do you? Was like, oh, I just turned forty two in December. Like people are like really he was like yeah you know what because i live a soft life it's great i love it it's it's nice um it's nice this age so i'm really excited to continue being healthy and calm and peaceful and spiritual the ways that i am Fast. so yeah well courtney thank you for joining me and everybody i will have those links to courtney wells wells money and um his linkedin in the bio check him out follow his work support um and yeah thank you for spending time with me today thank you so much uh and happy new year yeah happy new year <laughs> <laughs> well that's it thank you for coming and getting a taste of marcia's plate you can listen to us on itunes and soundcloud make sure you leave a review because we really need those five stars y'all and go like our facebook page and leave some comments we'll be posting exclusive content every thursday so you definitely don't want to miss out you can also follow us on Twitter and any other social media site at Marsha's Plate. If you'd like to donate or advertise with us, hit us up at diamondstyles at gmail.com. That's diamondstylz at gmail.com. And that's it for us, y'all. Bye. Bye-bye. You gonna say bye, Mia? Oh, bye, y'all. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Every little thing's gonna be all right. Oh,